All right, 1 Samuel chapter 15 tonight, the book of 1 Samuel chapter number 15. And if you're able to, as you find your place, go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word. 1 Samuel chapter number 15. Last week at camp, I completely lost my voice and started to get it back uh, toward the end of the week. Lost it again kind of over the weekend. <clears throat> I was sick on Monday and had no voice, and so the last couple of days I've been trying to get it back. So you might be in for a real treat tonight because I might hit a note or a, you know, I just might hit, say something and you're like, where did that come from? <clears throat> know that it, I am not, I'm done with puberty. I've uh, been there, done that. I'm not going back. Uh, I'm going the, op- the other way, but <clears throat> it might be a little interesting tonight. So 1 Samuel chapter number 15. I'm excited about tonight's message. Uh, it's something that God's been working on my heart about for the last couple of weeks, and so when Pastor asked me a couple weeks ago about preaching Wednesday night. Uh, even before all of this happened, everything else, I knew kind of where we were going to be at. And uh, so 1 Samuel chapter number 15 is where we're going to be at tonight. Primarily, we're going to be in the entire chapter. We're not going to read the entire chapter, but I'm going to kind of give you bits and pieces as we go, and then we'll come back throughout the text as we look at the thought tonight. So 1 Samuel chapter number 15, and in verse number 1, the Bible says this, it says, Samuel also said unto Saul, the Lord, ha- uh, Lord, Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel. We'll talk about that here in just a few minutes. It says, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy <clears throat> all they have and spare them not. Now, I want you to notice the specific command that God gives to Saul, the nation of Israel. He says, but slay both man and woman. It's pretty definitive right there in God's book, right? God says, I want you to slay both man and woman. Now watch, infant and suckling, ox, sheep, camel, and ass. I dare say that God's command from Samuel given to Samuel, Samuel given to Saul, was very direct. God said, utterly destroy. I don't want anything left over. Nothing. Okay? Pretty, pretty basic. Skip down to verse number nine. <clears throat> but Saul. But Saul. But Saul. Let's, I don't, I don't want to take Scripture out of context or change the Bible, but let's just kind of do a little bit of a practice here for just a second. Instead of saying, but Saul, how about we say, but Andrew, but Jimmy, but Mike, but Brant, because watch, but Saul and the people spared Agag, and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fatlings, and the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refused, that they destroyed utterly. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, verse number 11, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. I'll skip down to verse number 18. The Bible says, And the Lord sent thee on a journey, and said, Go, and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. This is Samuel now confronting Saul. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. Watch this. The man of God confronts the king. The man of God confronts the king and says, You've done wrong. Here's what you've done wrong. And here's the king's response to the man of God. I've obeyed the Lord. Surely I've done exactly what God wanted me to do. Look what he says. And I've gone the way which the Lord sent me and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as an iniquity, 
and idolatry, because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Tonight, Lord willing, we're going to preach on this thought, faking righteousness. Faking righteousness. And we'll kind of subtitle the message tonight this, the difficulty of keeping up an appearance that we are right with God. The difficulty of keeping up an appearance that we are right from God. And we'll get into more of this text here in a moment. Uh, but let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father, we thank you so much, <clears throat> Lord, just for the privilege it is to be able to preach tonight. Uh, Lord, I know as I've prepared this message how you've worked on my heart. And Lord, even, Lord, just reading even this afternoon and studying even more and, and just the little things that we'll look at, Lord willing, as we get into the message tonight. And the truths found within Scripture, Lord, it's evident that even in our lives, no matter how long we've been in church, no matter how much preaching we've had, no matter we went spent last week at camp or we stayed home, that every one of us could be guilty of faking righteousness. Every one of us could be guilty of trying to keep up an appearance that we're somebody that we're not. Lord, what a shame to think tonight that in a congregation here in this building, a, a room full of sinners, that somebody would have the thought process and the heart process of, I'm okay, I don't need what God has, I can hide it, I can... And no one needs to know, no one needs to know about my sin. Lord, truth is tonight that every one of us that's in this building, as well as those that are watching on live stream tonight, Lord, every one of us is a sinner. Every one of us deals and fights with sin in our life, and ultimately it's whether or not we're going to obey you as the word of God is preached, and the Holy Ghost brings conviction upon our heart. So we ask tonight, God, that you'd be honored and glorified in everything that is said and done. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> <clears throat> we've, all, uh, we've all grown up playing pretend. Some of us are still playing pretend, but we've all grown up playing pretend. And I can remember growing up, I'm, I'm the oldest of five boys, and I grew up in a military home. And so growing up as the oldest of five boys and in a military home, uh, the game that we always would pretend to play would be Army. And so I can remember taking my dad's old uniforms and going out into the woods and putting on uniforms and taking mud and wiping it all over our face. And me and my brothers spending hours and hours and hours in the woods. Uh, <clears throat> funny thing, being having a dad in the military, you would think that uh, our household would be pro-gun. But actually, it was not. My mom hated guns. And I remember getting action figures. And back in, I grew up back in the 80s. Remember G.I. Joe? Some of you ought to remember G.I. Joe and Transformers and stuff like that. Those are the good old days, Brother Jimmy. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, good old days. Man, we get G.I. Joe. Our grandparents would give us G.I. Joes. And, and Grandpa and Grandma loved their grandkids. So when they say, what do you want? I went, G.I. Joe, Grandpa. G.I. Joe, Grandma. And they get us a G.I. Joe. First thing Mom would take would be the guns. These little itty-bitty guns. Mom was like, not in my house. <clears throat> so as we got older, we had a little bit of a rebellious streak in us. And so as we began to get out into the woods and get in our camo, we uh, somehow acquired some guns, not real ones, but some fake guns that we knew if mom knew we had, she'd confiscate. So out in the woods, Brother D, we used to hide our guns, and we'd pretend we'd have war. And I can remember growing up, uh, even, listen, uh, growing up as a young man playing out in the woods uh, there in Nobnoster and getting the neighborhood kids together. Man, we had such a great time pretending that we were in the military. So fast forward, I'm not pretending anymore. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> but a couple weeks ago, I was going through my phone trying to clean out some pictures and some videos and getting ready for uh, camp, and I came across some videos of, of my kids when they were a lot younger. So for quite a while, we had just the three girls and Micah. Obviously, there's a pretty good age gap between Micah and Levi. And so I ran across some videos and some pictures of poor old Micah playing pretend with his sisters. And so I have pictures of Micah at tea parties, and Micah at impromptu wedding ceremonies, and all those kinds of things. I thought about putting some up on the slides tonight, but I just didn't want to embarrass poor Micah over there. And so, man, they had, they had a great time growing up and, and, and all those things and just pretending. And we look at that as parents, and we, maybe we get involved in it. And I, there's pictures of me sitting down with Emily when she's probably like three or four years old, having tea with Emily, and just pretending. But then there's some pictures I ran across that as they got older and having grown up in church, there were some pictures and some videos I had on my phone where they were pretending to play church. 
And so you had Emily kind of up there leading the service, and Lydia was singing the special, the solo, and I'm not sure what Bella was doing, but she was doing something for the service, you know, and, and Micah being the only boy, obviously he had to be the preacher. So there's Micah opening up the Bible, and he's pacing back and forth like preachers do, and, you know, saying, I'm almost done, I'm almost done, I'm right at my last point, and he keeps going, right? Amen, Brother Jim? Just keeps going. Hey, listen, and it's cute, it's funny. You, I watch those things, and man, it, it brings back a lot of memories, and it's really neat to see children, and some of you can relate to this with your kids or your grandkids, it's really neat to see them pretend certain things in life. And we watch kind of how they do different things. I know a couple years ago we had a, uh, I had like a, a dress-up thing for, I think, Pastor Pirate or Master's Club, whatever the case was. And I remember Micah dressing up like Pastor Marshall and, uh, and, and Bella dressing up like Miss Pam. And man, it's, it's cute and it's funny to pretend as a child. But it's not so cute and not so funny to pretend as an adult. And in our text tonight, there's a problem that comes about in Saul's life. And Saul has gotten to the point in 1 Samuel chapter 15 where he's pretended to have this walk with God. He's pretended to have this relationship with God. He's pretended to have this union, if you would, with a holy and a righteous God. And really in 1 Samuel chapter number 15, it all comes apart. And so there's no more pretending in the life of Saul. Saul was somebody who, no different than you and I, had every opportunity for success. Yet his pride destroyed him. His disobedience and his lack of trust brought God's discipline upon his life. And because of this, God could not use Saul. God could not use Saul after this chapter, after this text. And we'll get to the end of chapter number 15 here later on in the message. But after this point, God could not use Saul anymore. And here's the reason why. Because Saul was faking righteousness. Saul was living his life day to day as the king of Israel, as God's anointed king, trying to live up to an appearance that he was right with God. And can I say this tonight, just kind of push this on out right at at the very beginning of the message, whether you're here, whether you're watching our live stream. Listen, you and I, we're we're faced with this every single day. We're faced with the reality of whether or not we're really living an honest, true, godly life, or whether we're just trying to keep up the appearance so everybody thinks we're okay. I want you to notice in our text tonight, verse number one, really just kind of break it down. There's three major sections I can see here in our text. The first one is this, the instructions that God gives to Saul, uh, Samuel and Saul. Notice verse number one, the Bible says, Samuel also said unto Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore, hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Notice tonight that Samuel uh, approaches Saul and notice the conversation that takes place. Notice that Samuel, as he's, as he's exhorting Saul in verse number one, he makes a very profound statement. The latter part of verse number one, he says this. He says, now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the who? The Lord. Listen, sometimes we have this mindset when we come to church, we come to the house of God, that as the preacher's preaching, no matter who's preaching it, we have this mindset, man, that's just the man, that's just a person, that's just Pastor Marshall, that's just Brother Andrew, that's just Brother Jimmy, that's just Brother Mike, that's just the missionary. Can I, can I submit to you tonight that it's not the man that's proclaiming, it's the word of God, it's God himself that's saying, hey, thus saith the Lord. And the problem lies in this, if we're just living our life for an appearance, we're not gonna take what the man of God says and put it into our life. Watch what happens, verse number two. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. God gave a clear command to Saul from the, listen, from the man of God, Samuel. God gave it to Samuel. Samuel gave it to Saul concerning the Amalekites. And God, here's what God said. Go wipe them all out. Now, I'm a parent, and so I've got five kids, so sometimes I give my kids instructions. And you know how, like, you have certain kids where you're like, I need to think these instructions through, because if I don't give clear instructions, they're not going to follow it, right? Brother Brant, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, you could tell your, you could tell your kid one thing, and you're thinking this thing, and then they, next thing you know, they do exactly something opposite. And you're like, where in the world? And they're like, well, Dad, you said this, this, and this. And they're like... Yeah, I did say that, but that's not what I was thinking. No, no, God doesn't mix his words up right here. God's not going, Saul, you know, I, I just, I want to kind of make a suggestion, Saul. I kind of want to give you an idea, Saul. No, no, God's very specific in the command that he gives to Samuel, that Samuel gives to Saul. He says, listen, there's a history, there's a past with the Amalekites, and here's what I want you to do, Saul. I want you to take the nation of Israel, and I want you to totally destroy the Amalekites. 
No questions asked. I don't want anything left. I don't want anything to be left over. I don't want you to keep anything. There's no spoils of war. I want it all utterly destroyed. So God gives the instructions. The Amalekites were old enemies of the Jews. As the Jewish nation left Egypt, uh, you read about in Exodus chapter number 17, there was a conflict, there was a battle that took place between the nation of Israel and the Amalekites. And most of us know the story, but I kind of got to rehash this a little bit. It was at this moment when the nation of Israel obviously was being led by Moses. And Joshua and Moses were leading them through the wilderness. They hadn't gotten to Mount Sinai yet, so we hadn't gone to Exodus chapter number 20 where we got the Ten Commandments. And there's a battle that takes place between the nation of Israel and the Amalekites. When, listen, that was, not, that was not God's plan per se, but obviously the nation of Israel had to fight. And so what takes place is, is that Moses goes on top of a mountain, and as he lifts his hands up with his staff, Israel wins. But as his hands sink on down, Israel starts losing. So what takes place? Well, there's a rock that Moses sits upon, and on one side his brother Aaron holds up his hands, and on the other side a man by the name of Hur holds up Moses' hands. And so as Moses' hands are lifted up, Joshua, the nation of Israel, wins the battle. But here's the problem. God made a promise, if you would, or made a covenant with Moses, the nation of Israel. We read that in Exodus chapter number 17. Here's what the Bible says. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the years of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Listen, too often we forget that this life that we live, this life that we've been given is a gift from God. And and God has given us some basic instructions, if you would, to live this life for his honor and for his glory. And as much as we think that we're in charge of our life, we've got to recognize tonight that there is someone greater than us that's in charge, that there is somebody higher than us that's in charge, that there is somebody who's way smarter, way more intelligent, way wiser in charge of our life than we think we are. And so here in this text, in verse number one through verse number three, Samuel goes to Saul and says, Saul, here's what God wants you to do. Here's the instructions that God gives you. Listen, God doesn't mix his words up tonight. God's not gonna tell you something and tell you something different from the word of God. God, what God tells you from the word of God and how the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, it's going to go like hand in glove, right? It's, it's not going to be off the wall type stuff. It's not, you're not going to get something from the word of God. You read in your Bible and then you come down the altar and pray and it's something way far out left field. That's not how God operates. The problem is this, is that when God's instructions are given, do we heed his instructions? Do we heed his instructions? Saul's given the opportunity, the nation of Israel's given the opportunity to do exactly what God tells them to do. Saul failed to recognize that God was ultimately in control. You know, as I read this text, the first couple of verses here, God didn't stutter. God didn't say, you know, Saul, you need to pray about this. God didn't say, you know, Saul, here's what I would like to do. What's your thoughts, Saul? Saul, I I need some counsel. I need some wisdom. That's not how God approaches it. Notice, look what the Bible says in verse number three. Now go. Now go. Hold up, hold up. There's times that God tells us to wait, is there not? There's times that God tells us just to wait, to be patient. There's times even that God maybe tells us no. Everybody ever had God tell you no? That's a tough one to stomach, right? Man, you're praying, you're praying, you're praying, you're praying, and God's like, no. And you know when God says no. And you're like, God, please. God's like, no. No. Watch. Look at verse 3. <laughs> look at what God tells Saul. Now go and smite Elam Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not. God's command, God's, God's command to, the, uh, to Saul, to the nation of Israel was specific and without, listen, without any reservations. God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the nation of the Amalekites and I want you to destroy him. Oh, hold up, hold up. Saul, here's the deal. I want you to kill him. Watch. What you kill them all? Men, women, infants, sucklings, all their cattle. I want, I want you to just absolutely destroy them. So here's, here's, here's what I'm thinking. As Saul is hearing this from Samuel, and Samuel's telling him, Saul, thus saith the Lord. As Samuel's relaying the message from God to Saul, you know what it does, Mason? Man, it, it, it makes it easy for Saul to obey. Because Saul doesn't have to go, well, I need to inquire of the Lord. No, 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 no. We don't read in the scripture where Saul goes, well, 
you know, I need to inquire of the Lord whether or not he really wants me to uh, kill everybody. Hold up. We're talking about, we're talking about a fake righteousness. Trying to, we're talking about keeping an appearance of being spiritual, of being godly. How often do we argue with God? Okay, let's kind of like bring it down to where we're at. <clears throat> we're back home from camp. And God spoke to our heart last week at camp. How much arguing have we done with God this week about what we know God spoke to our heart about last week? How much, how much of we, time we spent this week telling God no, because last week we told God yes, but this week's a little bit different, Brother Andrew. I'm not on the mountain anymore. I'm back at work this week, Brother Andrew. I'm back at home this week, Brother Andrew. I'm back in that old life this week, Brother Andrew. No, no, God's word is still true. And what God said in Exodus chapter number 17 is, it did change, listen, it did not change here in 1 Samuel chapter 15. God told Moses and Joshua, hey, Amalekites, they're gonna be utterly destroyed. You don't know when, but they're gonna be utterly destroyed. We get into 1 Samuel chapter 15, God says, okay, Saul, now's the time. I want you to handle this. I want you to take the army of Israel. I want you to utterly destroy them. And here's the amazing thing. In verse number four, notice what the Bible says. And Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in uh, Timlia, 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. And Saul said unto the Canaanites, go depart, get you down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Canaanites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul smote the Amalekites from Hiviel unto thou comest to Shura, that is, over against Egypt. Man, if that's where the chapter stopped, hallelujah. Saul demonstrated obedience to God. Here's the problem. Look at verse number eight. And he took Agag. Now, I'm a little confused when I read verse number eight. <clears throat> because I have a feeling that in the first eight verses of this chapter, it's not like there's been a lot of time that's transpired. It's not like it's been six months. It's not like it's been, you know, a year. This has got, listen, this command from God is really fresh on Saul's heart and on Saul's mind. Yet Saul gets to the, gets to the city of the Amalekites and he, he gets in the battle and the heat of battle. And the Bible says in verse number eight, watch, that he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But it didn't stop there. Verse nine, the Bible says, but Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fatlings and the lambs, and all, watch what the Bible says, God, God's word is, there's a reason why God puts what he puts in his word, look what he says, and all that was what? Good. Here's, here's Saul's problem. Saul's obedience to God was based upon his own personal pleasure. Saul's obedience to God was based upon his own personal pleasure. So I can, I'm picturing in my mind Saul and, his, and, the, and, the, and the thousands and thousands of Israelites descending upon the city of the Amalekites. And as Saul's going through and they're, they're slinging swords and people are whack, whack, going to battle, there's Agag. And the thought creeps up in his mind. That's a trophy right there. That's a trophy. Grab him. They start killing it, whack, 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 whack. Kill everybody. Then they go out to the fields. Man, that's some, that's some good sheep over there. That's some good oxen over there. Man, that, that's, some, that's some good wealth over there. Saul's obedience to God was based upon his own personal pleasure. You say, well, Brother Andrew, where do you get that? Where do you get that? Because in the Bible, it, it talks about not just Saul, but the people. It says in verse number nine, but Saul and the people spared Agag. Hold up, who's the king? Who's the king? Who's the one that makes the decision? Who's the one that God told destroy everything? It was Saul. It was Saul. As you go on reading in the text, we'll get into it here in a minute, but Saul passes the blame, or if you want to say it like this, passes the buck off onto everybody else as it being their fault of why the sheep were spared, why Agag was spared, why the oxen were spared, why all the good things were spared. Here's the deal. We have got to come to the point in our life as Christians 
Instead of faking righteousness, we need to live, listen, we need to live humbly before a holy and a righteous God, knowing that without him, we are nothing. I find it very interesting that in the very first part of chapter number 15, verse number one, go back up there. Here's what God says. What Samuel says to Saul, the Lord sent me to anoint thee to be what? King over whose people? No, no, no. No, no. Let's just, just for a sake of illustration, you're the nation of Israel and I'm Saul. You're not my people. Well, Brother Andrew, you're Saul. You represent, you're not my people. According to the word of God, Whose people are you? His people. His people. Saul disobeyed God. He had forgotten what God had done for him. And in doing that, he'd been lifted up in pride. And here's what he starts doing. He starts faking his relationship and his righteousness with God. And we're going to see it unravel here in our text. Notice verse number eight. He says, and he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag. They spared Agag, they spared the king. Verse 10, then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, it repenteth me that I have set Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. Listen, the first seven, first seven verses here, we see this picture where, where Saul is supposed to obey God, he disobeys God. But then the latter part here, the middle part of our text, we see that disobedience to God brings the judgment of God. God looks at what Saul's done. God's looking at the disobedience of Saul. Or sorry, God looks at the disobedience of Saul and, and he tells Samuel, Samuel, I, I'm, I'm not okay with this. I don't like this. This is not what I told Saul to do. This is not the command that I gave Saul. And because he did not obey me, it repenteth me that I made him king. Repenteth me. After getting clear instructions from God, Saul went out and partially obeyed. Well, no, he partially obeyed. He killed all the women and the children and the men, but he didn't kill Agag. Well, he probably butchered and slaughtered some of the cattle, maybe some that were deformed or weren't as clean as he wanted. Not the best of stock, if you would, but he only partially obeyed God. Listen, partial obedience is outright disobedience. Listen, moms and dads, we know this very well. When our kids, we tell our kids to do some partial obedience is honestly outright disobedience. You ever, you ever had a child in your home and you've told them, hey, listen, don't touch the stove. It's hot. And they kind of walk up to the stove and do one of those. You know what that is? It's partial obedience. If you as a parent say, don't touch the stove because it's hot, what should they not do? Go anywhere near the stove. But by them just kind of tempting it and kind of just, you know what it is? Partial. You know what God does for us? God tells us this. Don't conform to the world. Be different to the world. Be peculiar. Be holy because I am holy. No, no, don't be like what everybody else says to be. Don't live like everybody else says to live. Don't watch what everybody else says to watch. And we will partially obey what God tells us to do. And we'll kind of skirt the line, if you would, and we'll kind of go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, just seeing how far we can go with God. And here's what Saul does. Saul goes, well, you know what? I, I killed all the Amalekites except for Agag. I mean, he's the king, and he's, he's for sport. And, and, and I, I got rid of the stuff that wasn't good, but I kept the stuff that was good. So I, I'm okay. I mean, surely God can forgive me. Surely God can look past that. Except in verse 10, notice what the Bible says. says this, Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me. Here's God. God. God in heaven is watching what has taken place. And listen, I don't think God in heaven is like, well, I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for a report from Saul. I'm waiting for, to see what happened. No, no. God's watching everything that's taken place. And God sees the heart of Saul and knows the heart of Saul is not what it ought to be. He sees the heart of Saul is not righteous in his eyes. And he sees the heart of, God, the heart of Saul is far from him. And so he says in verse number 11, it repenteth me, repenteth me. God expects 100% obedience from his children. God's commands and instructions in you and I are not meant to be suggestions or random thoughts. God doesn't mix his words. God doesn't leave things open, open-ended for you and I. God's not in the business of telling us one thing and then trying to get us, have us figure out something else. No, no, God is specific in his commands. 
And God's command to Saul right here in, in chapter number 15 of 1 Samuel was very specific. Saul, this is what I expect. This is what I want you to do. Saul didn't do it. So what happens? Well, in verse number 11, we find a very interesting word. That word, repenteth. Here's what we read in verse number 11. It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king. That word repenteth indicates a change in God's administration. It does not carry the meaning that you and I are familiar with as far as repenting from sin. Brother Sam Davison is, would preach and he would talk about when God, in Scripture, when God would repent or, or when God would specifically make a statement like this, it repenteth me. Brother Sam would say it like this. He says, God repents and man repents, but God doesn't repent the way man repents. What does it mean, Brother Andrew? When God says it repenteth me that he made Saul king, it simply means this, that he, God, now has to deal with Saul a different way than he'd like to. Can I say it like this? It grieved God. It grieved God. Listen, when you and I disobey God, it grieves him. No, no, when we choose, when we choose to disobey God, it grieves him. No, no, hey, listen up. God's not up in heaven going, oh, man. Well, I didn't see that one coming. That's not how God operates. When you and I disobey a holy and a righteous God, it grieves him. It hurts him. Listen, it's not something in heaven where God's like, well, you know, I just, man, I don't know what's going on. I'm going to pull out my hair. and then, No, 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 no. I say it like this. I, I, I'd like to think that, in a sense, it's like this, that it, it sickens God that one of his own children, that one of his own children would totally outright disobey him. No, no, God gave clear directions to Saul. There was no mixing words. There was no, like, I got to figure this out. I need to pray about this. God told Saul specifically what to do. Saul did the opposite of what God told him to do, totally disobeyed God. And now God is like, it's not good, Saul. No, no, it's not. It's it's to the point now where it repenteth me that I made you king. In our text, Samuel confronts Saul about his disobedience. Notice verse number 15 of chapter 15. Notice what, what Saul says here. And as Samuel confronts Saul, look what Saul says in verse 15. And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. Hold up, hold up. In verse 15, he's saying they, they, they. But in verse number nine, God says who? Saul and the people. Here's Saul passing the blame off to the people of God. But he doesn't stop there. Look at verse number 21. Here's what Saul says. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. No, no, let's just think about this for a second here. Saul goes to battle. (laughs) He gets Agag the king. He gets the best of the flocks, best of the cattle. He goes on back. And here comes God to Samuel, God's man, and says, Samuel, there's a problem. I'm gonna kind of paraphrase here. Saul didn't obey my commands. And it grieved me or repenteth me that I made him king. So the Bible tells us this, that Samuel prays in verse number uh, verse number uh, 11, the Bible says, and he grieved Samuel and he cried unto the Lord all night long. And verse number 12, and when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, he walks up to Saul and, and just kind of run through this real quick here. We're going to spend a lot of time. But as Samuel walks up to Saul, Saul says this to Samuel, I've done everything God has told me to do. I've obeyed everything God's told me to do. It's, it's right there. You just got to look at it. It's there. Promise. Saul says, Samuel, I've done exactly what God wanted me to do. Man, I mean, God, we are like this. Follow this train of thought. Samuel, man, me and God, we're like best buddies. You know why? Because I did everything God told me to do. Watch. And here's Samuel's response. Is that bleeding of the sheep that I hear? Is that the lowing of the oxen? Is that, is that what I hear? Ah, oh, yeah, I don't think you did. So how does this apply to me, Brother Andrew? Hey, listen, when the man of God preaches the word of God and the spirit of God moves in your heart and you know it and you do absolutely nothing and then you're willing to stand before God and say, man, me and God are like this. I think I hear some sheep bleeding. I think I hear some oxen. Oh, no, 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 no. There's fake righteousness in our life because we're trying to keep up an appearance like we're right with God. 
You know, one of the, you know one of the, the, the most awesome things about awesomeness, I don't know if that's a word, but I'm going to make it up. Awesomeness things about camp is that, man, it just breaks down the barrier. It just breaks down the wall. We're all just wicked sinners. We're all just filthy rags. We're all just a mess. We're a wreck. We've got things in our life that, listen, we're embarrassed about, we're ashamed of. Man, I've been at the altars for years. Somebody asked me this last week, how many times have you been to Silver State? It's probably been 10, 11, 12 years that we've gone to camp at Silver State. And man, in all those years, the amount of teenagers, the amount of adults that have, I've been at the altar with and have just poured their heart out, and they said, Brother Andrew, man, I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this, and this sin's in my life, and this, man, my life's a mess right here, and I just can't seem to get victory over this. And man, I was up here last year on that side of the altar, and this year I'm up on this side of the altar, and man, I just don't get it. I just don't understand why. Here's why. Because when back down here, when we're faced with the reality of the word of God as it's preached to us, and when we're faced with the reality of our sin, we're like, man, me and God, we're good. We're good. You know why? Because we're so focused on the appearance of spirituality rather than being honest and repentant toward God. Samuel, I did everything God wanted me to do. Man, I did everything God wanted me to do. Saul, is that sheep I hear? You don't find in your scripture Saul going like this. Lord, forgive me. You find no repentance. You know why? Because Saul was all about his appearance before the people and his appearance before God rather than the reality that he had disobeyed a holy and a righteous God. You know where we struggle? This is right at home, right here, where we struggle. Is that we come into church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday school. Different activities, different events, Thursday night for teen night, Fridays for refiners. And man, the word of God is opened up and it's preached and it's declared. And we've got this mindset sometimes like, man, I'm, me and God, we're like, we're good. We're good. All along, all along, God's like, man, I'm hearing some sheep. Hearing some oxen lowing. And what's that over there? When we're not real and we're not honest with God, listen, we're living a disobedient life. We're just faking it. And I'll be honest with you, I've been in church long enough, and many of you have been in long enough. You've been in church long enough. You ha- listen, I hate fake Christians. <laughs> Brother Brand, I hate fake Christians. You know what I'm talking about? Man, we walk in like we're better than everybody else, like we got all our ducks in a row. When in reality, we're living in disobedience to God. When in reality, we're not seeing our sin for what it really is. Twice, 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 Saul looks at Samuel and goes, but the people, but the people, but the people. You know, sometimes our biggest problem is we want to blame everybody else but us. Saul had the opportunity to get his heart right with God, and he chose not to. Saul had every opportunity to get his, right with God, uh, his heart right with God and, to, listen, to, to, to get things fixed between him and God. But yet, because of his own pride, because of his own ego, because of what he thought was right, he chose to look God in the face and say, not today, Lord. It's the people's fault. It's not my fault. Where do you see that? Watch. Look at our text. 1 Samuel chapter number 15. Look at what he says here, verse number 21. But the people took of the spoil sheep and oxen, and, and, and chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Who, who said that things needed to be utterly destroyed? God did. Now Saul's quoting God. <laughs> Saul, is, Saul has gotten to the point here, listen, where he's faking righteousness so much that he is quoting God to justify his actions. I don't know about you, but this is pretty low from a spiritual position. Look what he says, verse 21. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Hey, listen, here's here's Saul. He's trying to justify his sin. No, no, no. He's trying to justify his sin. He's trying to justify his partial obedience to God and make it spiritual. Oh, listen, the people did this. The people didn't utterly destroy everything. Oh, but it's okay because a lot of part of verse 21, because it's going to be a sacrifice to the Lord in Gilgal. 
Is that our approach to God tonight? That we would justify our sin? That we would justify our partial obedience to God? Or can we say it like this, that we would justify our fake righteousness to a holy God and say, well, God, there's a plan, there's a purpose. And here's the response, verse 22. Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Here's ultimately what Samuel told Saul. Saul, God doesn't care about sacrifice. That's not what God cares about. You know what God cared about? Just you obeying him. So how does this relate to me, Brother Andrew? You know what? God doesn't care about our fakeness. He doesn't care about our appearance before man. He doesn't care about our accolades. You know what he cares about? Our obedience to him. And if we're just simply obedient to God, we'll be real. And we'll be used by God. But Saul, not the case. Look at verse number 23. He says, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as the iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Now watch this. Watch this. In verse 23, Samuel just basically calls Saul out in the carpet. And here's Saul's response. Look at verse number 24. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned. I have sinned. Here we go. Here's the appearance show. Ready? Watch. I have sinned, Samuel. I have sinned. For I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words. Now, if he ended the statement right there, it would be pretty good. But he goes on and he says this. Because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, I pray thee, pardon my sin and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. Kind of get the sense as we go through this text and go through this chapter here that Saul really wasn't sorry for disobeying God. Saul really wasn't repented for disobeying God. Saul really, just be honest and just kind of be very blunt, he didn't really care that he disobeyed God. No, he didn't, because watch what takes place. He asked Samuel, listen, he asked Samuel to turn again with him in verse number 25 to worship the Lord. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee. Samuel knew that if he went with Saul, Samuel knew that if he took the time with Saul, Samuel knew that if the appearance was there with Saul, that the people would see and they, they would see that everything was okay, but everything wasn't okay. Saul had disobeyed God. And because Saul had disobeyed God, because Saul had done his own thing, had lived his own agenda, Samuel's like, listen, we are not in agreement anymore. You and God aren't in agreement. Me and you aren't in agreement. You've outright disobeyed God. But there's an appearance problem that Saul has. And the appearance is this, that Saul wants to still be the king. Even after Samuel said, no more. Skip down to verse number 30. Look at this again. Same chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse number 30. It says, then he said, I have sinned. This is Saul again. He says, I have sinned, yet honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of the, my people and before Israel, and, and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord thy God. It was extremely important to Saul that Samuel go with him, that he worship the Lord. Why? Because it would make it look like Saul was still okay with God. Saul focused on his appearance before God rather than on a repentance before God. So let me ask you tonight. When it comes to your walk with God, when it comes to your relationship with God, when it comes to your service in church, when it comes to your church attendance, when it comes to your relationship to Riverside Baptist Church, is it all about appearance? Is it all about what other people see, what other people think? One, per, one preacher said it like this. He said, Saul portrayed propped up spirituality. All he cared about was the appearance of spirituality. No repentance. You see, it's a burden for you and I to keep up appearances tonight. God didn't call us to keep up appearances. God didn't call us to be fake. He didn't call us to be phony. He didn't call us to be cheap imitations. He called us to be the real deal. Amen. If we're to hear, sit here tonight and say, yes, I'm a believer of Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian. I'm a born again believer of Jesus Christ. I'm a child of God. God didn't call us to just be an appearance and be a shell. God called us to be the real deal. What Saul needed here in 1 Samuel chapter number 15, what he really needed was repentance, but he was giving attention to the pretense, a fabrication of the truth or the reality that him and God were just like this. What matters not is our appearance before men, but rather our appearance before God. Samuel tells Saul this. He says to Saul, I'm not going along with this situation. 
Because look at the latter part of the chapter here, verse number 32. Then said Samuel, bring ye hither to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came unto him delicately. And Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is past. So Samuel, he's got to deal with this situation. He's got to deal with Agag. God, God said, destroy them all. <laughs> if you think the Bible's boring, watch what takes place next. Verse 33. And Samuel said, as thy sword hath made women childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. And Samuel hewned Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. I was reading that this afternoon trying to picture it in my mind. He hewned Agag. And I'm trying to picture Saul standing over here, and maybe, maybe his top generals and leadership of the army of Israel standing off the side. And I'm watching this, this mature man in age and wisdom, Samuel, walk on over and pick up a sword and say these things. Along these lines, this should have been done from the very beginning. If the man God had appointed as the king of his people had just simply obeyed what God said, and as Samuel takes that sword, and I, I don't know, maybe he cuts off a couple of fingers first, then a hand, then a forearm, then a foot. The Bible says that he hewned Agag. I don't know about you, but that's eh, pretty intense. Then look what happens. Verse number 34. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house to Gibeath of Saul. And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, the Bible tells us this. The fear of man bringeth a snare. The fear of man bringeth a snare. When you and I try to do God's will without a relationship with God, it'll be a burden to us because we're trying to keep up an appearance. If our Christianity tonight is based solely upon the fear of man and what man thinks, we're living our life for one thing and one thing only, an appearance before man. If we're not careful tonight, we will find ourselves in the same boat as Saul, where we partially obey, we partially do what God wants. You see, tonight, we cannot pretend to repent. We can't go on acting like everything's okay. We can't go out these doors or turn off live stream and think everything's okay. No, the truth is tonight that there's parts of our life where we've been pretending. Oh no, we come to church faithfully. We read our Bible faithfully. We pray faithfully. We serve on a bus route faithfully. We teach a Sunday school faithfully. We give to missions and the offering faithfully. But deep down inside, we've been pretending with God. And the appearance is this. Me and God, we're like this. We're like this. And listen, when the man of God gets in the pulpit and preaches, thus saith the Lord, when the man of God gets in the pulpit and preaches like he did Sunday night, and our toes are stepped on, and the Holy Ghost of God starts convicting us, and we start going, man, there's some things in my life that need to change. There's some things in my home that need to change. There's some things in my marriage that need to change. There's some things that my kids that need to change. And we look at that. Listen, we look at God and we say, God, partial obedience. All we're living is an appearance before God. And what a shame. What a shame for us to miss out on all that God had. You keep reading in uh, 1 Samuel, we know this story. We know the story. God basically removes his hand from Saul and from Saul's house. And God, we know this, that Samuel eventually anoints David to be the next king. But can I say it like this? That originally, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't God's plan. God's plan when he anointed Saul to be the king of his people was to use Saul for God's honor, God's glory. But Saul got to the point in his life where he cared more about his appearance before man. So how are you in your Christian life? Are you living your Christian life right now more focused on your appearance before man than whether or not you're obeying a holy and a righteous God? Are you more focused on what people think about you rather than what God knows about you? Are you more focused on just, man, just having those relationships here and just kind of, we're working a little bit over here, a little bit over here. 
Or are you more focused on God? You tell me what to do, and I'll do it. No, no, God. No, no partial obedience. 100% God, you have all of me. And what a shame for us to live a life as a Christian, and our focus is on our appearance before other people, rather, rather than having real righteousness in our life where our focus is on our relationship with God. Father, we thank you for tonight, Lord, the privilege, the opportunity, again, to be in your house. Lord, it's so easy, maybe, for some to have grown up in church and to grown up reading their Bible, grown up in Sunday school, just to go through the motions and, Lord, just to kind of fake it till we make it type mentality. But, Lord, looking at the life of Saul, looking at the potential that Saul had and how you desire to use him, but yet in this text, in 1 Samuel chapter number 15, we see the fact that Saul disobeyed you. And then when confronted with his sin, wanted to pass the blame off to somebody else. I can't help but think tonight, God, that maybe somebody's here, maybe somebody's even watching on live stream, that as they search their heart, as they examine their heart, truth is they've been more worried about their appearance amongst their brothers and sisters in Christ rather than just simply being honest, being real, being transparent, and focusing on their appearance before you, their Heavenly Father. Lord, however you've spoken to our hearts tonight, I pray that we'd respond, whether we're here in the auditorium or whether we're at home watching on live stream. As we stand to our feet tonight, every head bowed, every eye closed, the altar is open. Faking righteousness. Are you faking it? Man, it's easy. Many people have done it. Many people are still doing it. Let's be real tonight with God. Let's be real with who God is, what God has for us, what God desires for us. Man, what a different story 1 Samuel chapter 15 would have been had Samuel, or sorry, had Saul done exactly what God told him to do with no reservation.